Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 24 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? Um, it's David here and I'm joined by Alan. How are you, pal? I'm good, mate. I'm still happy post-Scotland-England win. It's buzzing. It's buzzing, isn't it? Mate, what, 12 days? I'm still reliving it. It is so good. And we've got one hell of an episode for you guys, so thanks again for joining us on iTunes or on Acast or wherever the hell you get your... Um, podcasts from if you are listening to us on itunes please get on there and give us a review it helps us get up the rankings we have had two fantastic five-star reviews today which shows the breadth of um what we offer to people on the pod so firstly we have glenners five stars a great listen who loves our quality analysis detailed knowledge and good humor um, and recommends us as a great listen for all the fans of scottish rugby and then we have finn's lambo should be yellow what do you think about that I like it. I think yellow is a decent color for a Lambo. He says, I'm not Scottish. The quizzes are terrible. They cancel the pod for ludicrous reasons like having an operation. They are all monotone and droning. They don't seem to like watching rugby. But I listen every week. Five stars. So, you know. Real clash of opinions there. Real (laughs) clash of opinions. But we will take the five stars and run. Yeah. However they come, I will take them. Absolutely. I'm a whore to five stars. Delighted with those. Um, So... As we say, thank. get onto iTunes, give us some five-star reviews, and we will read them out on the pod. We have been chatting t- to you loads on Twitter, at Thistle Rugby Pod, and our Instagram is beginning to get going with some memes, Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. We're going to have a meme strategy session yeah, later today. We're taking memes very seriously now. I think the kids are into them. Uh, mate, they are. They are so much engagement for memes. So much maybe, engagement. Maybe we need to start, like, doing some sort of, like, Instagram ads, like maybe some, like, teeth whitening or, like, green tea. Some of the, like Olive Hoggy's um, deals that he's got going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I say, thanks a lot for coming along, guys. We're not going to chat about who's missing. 
oh yeah sorry Matt <laughs> Christ of course sorry. It's just, we just have such a nice time without him yeah I know we? <laughs> you will have noticed we don't have um, Matt Hanny um, boring us with his stats and actual facts about <laughs> Scottish rugby this week um where is he getting? He's in India, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's managed to keep it really under wraps, but I think it's now been done in public. But he's just proposed to his girlfriend in India. <laughs> congratulations, Matt! That I mean, is congratulations! Amazing! It's eight a, years, I think it's been a thistle exclusive. Yeah, a thistle exclusive. One of the three is now down, and there you go. Good luck to him. And the girls of Scotland are devastated. Yeah, you know he's married. He's marrying a fine woman. Yeah, he absolutely is. So congratulations to Matt. He will be back in a couple of weeks time to tell us all about it so Can't wait. forward to that right so on today's pod we have had a chat a really really interesting chat with one third of the killer bees johnny bt has joined us direct from the south of france to give his take on the scotland um, ireland game this weekend and look back at his amazing try and that victory back in 2010 so look forward to that before that, we're going to rattle through the Scottish rugby news and give you Alan and I's takes for what they're worth on the Scotland game. Probably going to be a lot more like the latter review that we read out, I think. Yes, I should have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Monotonous and... Uh, lacking analysis. Lacking analysis. So look forward to that. And then, well, it, we'll come on to it in news, but we are going to talk to you as a sort of third issue or a third segment the news that the Pro 14 is going to disappear from BBC Alba next year. It looks like... Premier Sports, an Irish pay-per-view provider, have taken that. So we are going to take a look at that. Hashtag justice for Hugh Dan. Hashtag justice for Hugh Dan. That Friday nights aren't going to be the same. No idea what he's saying, but I, I feel the enthusiasm. He keeps shouting penis, and I quite like it. <laughs> Let's get into the news. Speaking of um, Glasgow Warriors legends, DTH, Van der Merwe, uh, Rob Robertson of the Daily Mail reporting that that is a done deal. He's coming back to Glasgow. Yeah, and it sort of follows sort of this trend of kind of ex-Glasgow legends kind of returning to Scotland. Obviously, Matawalu and Jackson last year, now DTH. Um, I guess it's the case if he comes with the form he had at Glasgow and lastly at Scarlet, then a great signing probably for replacing Sarto. Absolutely, I think it's a really good good bit of business. Um, he'll be a great squad player. And um, the fans love him. The fans do love him. Although he's only played... So he, he signed for Newcastle on a two-year contract in the summer. And he's only played three games. And he's now being let go early. Newcastle's wingers are really good, though. I mean, Gonover and Sonotti. Sonotti, Sonotti, Sonotti's a joke. I mean, he is literally a farce. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just probably mutual consent. DTH is like, I am not getting game time. And Newcastle like, you're worth we're paying you too much to be on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've just come to an agreement. Um, Fair, but I, I, it seems like a good bit of business for Glasgow. And um, in our interview with Johnny BT later, we ask him when he's going to be making his return to Glasgow. So um, look forward to that as well. Love to see it. Um, another great bit of business down the M8, this time in Edinburgh, Argentinian centre Sacchino moving to Edinburgh. That seems like a great signing. Yeah, I guess we're just sort of raiding Newcastle for their sort of squad players. Before we buy them. Before we buy them. Before the Scottish Rugby Union buys Newcastle. We're just slightly lowering their value. Exactly, yeah. Because um, he was sort of starting at the beginning of the season actually putting in quite a lot of good performances and was actually playing a lot with Chris Harris. But he's actually kind of slipped out of the starting 15 for whatever reason. But I guess it looks like now that Rasalia is off, and, f- and I think Phil Burley's leaving as well. Oh, really? 
Yeah. There you go. It was on the inside, uh, offside line. I think they said that Burley was off as well. Well, it looks like with Phil Burley off, that kind of fills your five centre spots for next year. So you've kind of got Matt Scott and Sacchino as your sort of 12s. And then you've got Christine Bennett. And I'm missing someone. We Jimmy? We little Jimmy. We little Jimmy. Um, which, when you look at those five centres, I think they give you a lot of options. And they're all quite attacking in nature. Yeah. I think I think it looks decent. What would you start there off on paper? Scott and Bennett, twelve thirteen. I think on paper, I think on paper, Scott and Bennett. Although I'm, look, I'm still a big Christine fan. Absolutely, I, yeah. And he's he's come on leaps and bounds this year under Cockerell. So no, great to have competition in those places. Absolutely, and it's um, it but it's but it's been a bit. It's good that Glasgow have had DTH because it's all been one way traffic the last sort of month or two. Just literally Edinburgh just churning out deals. Yeah, and they're not done yet. I think all of the announcements, all the coverage around it says that Cockerell's still looking to add a couple of players to his squad for next year. So that's really exciting. Bloody delightful. Really, really delightful. Um, And they added Dave Cherry from London Scottish, and he was down in Stade Nissois as well, a young hooker. Yeah, Or a youngish hooker. He's like 27. Well, he'll come in and be a fairly strong squad player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ex-London Scottish and that... Down in that weird French project that the SOU seem yeah. to be continuing to run. But yeah, solid. I think with McAnally going to be basically in the Scotland squad from now on, Ross Ford pretty injury prone. It's good to sort of just give a bit more depth in that position. Absolutely. And Sacchino may have got the big highlights as a big foreign import, but talk to me about the king, Daryl Marfo, staying in the capital until 2020. Marfo 2020. It is, that's the, the biggest deal of the year. The return of the king. The return of the king. I can't um, believe how we underestimated him. I, can't, I genuinely can't believe <laughs> how <mean> much we underestimated him. I mean, we've talked about it before. He has come on from being, you know, not even getting on the bench in the Premiership to starting for Scotland and looking really decent. That's an amazing rise to fame. I mean, it is amazing. It, does it show that it's not that hard to progress at prop? It doesn't feel like you could do that as a standoff, for example. Possibly, but I, I, I don't know. But maybe there was lots of people that were in front of him in the big English clubs. He got his opportunities up here, and he has just taken them. Yeah. So you can't say anything bad about that. Another prop who has re-signed, but Alex Allen has re-signed at Glasgow until 2020. Solid squad player? Done. Good, good, good bit of business. Good bit of business, building their squads for next year. We're going to come on, as I say, to talk a bit more about the Pro 14 TV deal, but we will keep that nice and light right at the end. Yeah. Um, shall we get in to Scotland, Ireland? Look yes. ahead to the weekend? All right. So, Gregor Townsend named his team yesterday with a couple changes to um, the squad. Probably the most headline-grabbing, Blair Kinghorn, comes in for the injured Tommy Seymour on the wing we are huge fans of Blair Kinghorn on the pod here. Yeah. What do you think of him coming in away to Ireland on the wing? First start away to Ireland in a position that you've only ever played, started one professional game at. Yes. And I don't really remember it, but suppose they played on the wing against Glasgow in the second 1872 game last year. And the sort of conversation, the commentary is that he looked a little bit like a rabbit in headlights at yeah. points. Look, I, I think he's a great player. I think he was always going to get a Scotland cap. And I think the one big tick against his name is, you know, you'll go into some of the stats later, but, you know, Ireland like to, contr- 
like to control a game and they put up a lot of box kicks through Conor Murray and a lot of up and unders through Johnny Sexton. And that means that your your wingers and fullback have to be solid under the high ball. And Blair Kinghorn is super solid under, or has been yeah, for Edinburgh absolutely. this season under the high ball. So in terms of that, as long as the occasion doesn't get to him, he's got the skill set to execute. And talk to me about that counter-attacking possibility of him and Hogg if there is a wayward kick from Ireland that gives them the opportunity to run it back. And Maitland, of course. Yeah. That is frightening. I almost think Blair Kinghorn gives you a little bit of something different. He's almost a, a bit more direct. He, he yeah. kind of, rather than going sort of arcing around people or stepping people, he normally just hits a gap at pace, which, you know, I think I think would be, be really, really good. I just think that the concern is Johnny Sexton starts pinging sp- spirals over his head. He's turned around and, you know, Keith Earls, etc., are just all over him. And what does that do for your confidence throughout the game? I'm backing him. You're backing him? He is a member of, according to Mark Bennett, Team Weird. He doesn't seem to get phased by this sort of stuff. He's been on unbelievable form for Edinburgh. He's gone in, he stepped up. He's gone into that Scotland camp. He's obviously done enough to impress um, yeah. Gregor Townsend and the guys within that camp to be given the shot because they could have gone for Lee Jones who's a proven international performer. He's very solid positionally, defensively. You know, they could have made that choice, but they've gone for Blair Kinghorn. I, know, I mean, I, I did think they would go for Lee Jones because yeah, I think just with the type of game Ireland played, they thought he would be... Do you think it's that he's not tall enough? Because there is going to be a lot of kicking? Um, he's, he's pretty reliable under the yeah, high ball. Um, and you could just put him up against Keith Earls. And yeah. You're, you're kind of like for like. But I think this is something that culturally... That, or, that Gregor Townsend believes in is that absolutely he will take the attacking option over the defensive option, even if it risks, you know, l- looking a bit like a fool. Um, well, let's hope his de- his debut for an injured winger goes like um, Byron McGuigan's exactly. against Australia, and not quite like you know Chris Harris's debuts. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm su- I'm super excited, and I hope that King uh, he goes like so well because he's going to be. You hope he's going to be a really exciting fixture of the Scotland squad in one way or the other for the next decade. He's only 21. Only 21, and I think, I, you know, looking at the England game, he came on for 10, 15 minutes, and he did not look out. Of place. Defended really well. Defended, Defended really, really, really well. well. Um, no, looking forward to it. Other changes to the squad, and I think this is a really important one. Fraser Brown comes back. Um, from, I think it was a concussion, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, he's come back through the concussion protocols and he replaces um, Scott Lawson on the bench. That is a improvement of talent by a factor of... Oh, come on, not, not Lawson. I love Lawson. Come on. I mean, I don't love Lawson. Three. <laughs> Fraser Brown and Rambo, that is the competition you want to have starting off the bench for Scotland. I mean... You're five, you're, you're five points down, 15 minutes left, and you've got an option of Fraser Brown or Scott Lawson. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's good that Fraser Brown's not starting. Obviously, he's, he's not played any rugby. But talking about someone who can come on with 15, 20 minutes to go and really bring that kind of high-tempo, explosive game. Aggressive game. Aggressive game, especially with him, Denton, Swinson, three really aggressive um, forwards. It's just a really great group of forwards to be able to bring on the pitch, I which I don't it, think we've had. 
Yeah, I think it's just been, it's one of the stories that it's kind of strange for the Six Nations where Scotland squad's actually gotten better as we've gone on because yeah. um, injuries have come back and what have you. And that bench in particular, you look, Fraser Brown, Jamie Batty, Willem Nell, Tim Swinson, Dave Denton, Ali Price, Nick Grigg, Lee Jones. That is a solid bench. Each of them can bring their own to a position. Each of them, if somebody goes down in the first minute, you're not worried about them playing 80. No, not at all. So I think that's a really interesting sort of development for, for the Scotland squad. I thought they might have brought Dunbar onto the bench. Yes, but um, possibly he's, he's fit enough, but just that timeout's just kept him... Uh, yeah. Also, Pete Horn and Hugh Jones are unbeaten playing as a centre partnership. I did see that. So why break that run? I mean, that is fair. It's uh, You might as well keep it going, but I guess the... Um, I just did something to my mic. Um, I get Nick Grigg again, like Dunbar, just get, they're actually quite different. Nick Grigg yeah. is like an explosive little gremlin. Like little we, gremlin, though. What did he, I call him before? He used to be the little monster. The little monster, that's what I was going for. Or whereas, friend of the pod, Squigsy, as we prefer to Friend of the pod, Squigsy, yeah. Um, whereas, obviously, Dunbar's maybe, again, a little yeah. bit more of a solid option to bring on. And again, they've gone for the more, t- the more attacking kind of... Player. Definitely, which is really exciting. So let's. Those are the changes to the squad. I think we can agree that it's been an improvement. How about some key areas? I think the press have honed in on it. So let's pretend that we are members of them and talk about Sexton versus Russell. A complete clash of styles. Who do you think is going to come out on top? The uh, the methodical Sexton versus the mercurial Russell. To uh, steal a phrase of Gordon Darcy's. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> quite liked it. Um. I guess the thing is, uh, I don't know if you've you got some stats for this, is actually more of the Ireland game goes through Conor Murray. It does. So I will run you through some stats in Matt's absence. Um, so 70% of their ball carries come off nine, which is quite significant. So yeah. Quite tight. Reminds me of the sort of issues that Glasgow maybe encountered against Leinster, that sort of very tight... Well, Mun- Munster last Munster, year. Yeah. Where they just literally was standard Omani just hitting it up, and we just weren't... We weren't exactly losing loads of territory, but we weren't able to A, get the ball back, and B, we just were giving away penalties after a sort of significant period of play. Yeah, and that is something which is borne out in the stats that Ireland do not do. So bear with me. I'll take you through the stats from the Wales, Ireland, and France games. So against Wales, 69% possession, 69% possession, 75% territory, and they only conceded four penalties. Italy, 63 possessions, 65 territory, and three penalties. And France, 68 possessions, 68 territory, and six penalties. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) Those are pretty intimidating numbers across the board. They are. And I think the sort of initial sort of counter-argument to that is they're probably sort of the similar stats that England have been rocking for the last sort of year and a half, and Scotland were able to really take them down at the breakdown and sort of yep. r- get that pen count up because we were we were winning that contest. But I guess with the refereeing change this weekend, whether that's going to be as much of an option. Yes. Well, Wayne, Wayne Barnes, is, is sort of, he gives away way, um, way less more defensive breakdown penalties. He always favours the attacking team, does not like to see as much of a contest on yeah. the floor. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Barkley and Watson and Wilson and Rambo acting as that sort of fourth um, back rower adapt to the to the ref. Yeah. I reckon we'll see a pen very early. I reckon somebody will go in and they'll they'll test the water. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And we'll see three points, hopefully not in a kickable position, but we will see a penalty given away of a Scotland player getting his head over the ball to see what they can get away with. Yeah. And then, like they did against England, they'll judge the rest based on that. Finn Russell, Mercurio, obviously had a great day against England, had bad days against France and Wales. What do you think Ireland are going to be doing to try and get in his head and sort of throw him off? Well, the, the Irish defence is A, very quick, and B, they sort of come in from 13, so they try to shut off that wide game by yeah. kind of closing down from sort of the 13 channel. And I think one of the ways that Finn is trying to sort of counteract that when that's happened before is to do those little kicks through yes. or sort of over the top. Which we love. Which, to be fair, ca- can sometimes be awful and can sometimes work like an absolute treat. Yeah. And, and I think Ireland will look to put a lot of pressure through that defence and, tr- and try and make him revert to that style of play. I guess the way to get around that is if your forwards are able to get over the game line, then the, the Irish back line can't defend that quickly. Yeah, of course. But I just don't know if we have the forwards to be able to deliver that. Yeah, I think you're going to have to rely on a huge amount of ball carrying in that instance from Johnny Gray... Um, Gilchrist, McAnally, probably maybe a bit of Simon Bergen. Yeah. And, you know, we d- we haven't really seen us dominate the the gain line in any game, even against England. We didn't dominate the gain line. That's not how we won the game. Yeah. So if that's how we get forced to play, you've got to say that it's probably going to come down on, on Ireland's side. Yeah. And um, I think it's going to be, kicking-wise, they've got to be almost better than they were against England. Definitely. Um you can see from sort of the stats there, teams can get pinned in their own half and Ireland just kind of suffocate you. And so I think bringing Hogg into that line, Blair Kinghorn as well, who does have that massive boot. Yeah, he does. Um, I think will be really helpful for making sure that we, you know, we are playing in the right parts of the field. Absolutely. W- one other bit of interest in the Ireland squad, Tag Furlong, Lions tight head prop has come back in. Why? <laughs> I know, come on, let's give us a break. Ian Henderson's come onto the bench, so they've been bolstered like we have of injuries returning. Yeah. So it's Tag Furlong against Gordy Reid, who's looked pretty solid the whole tournament in the set piece at the very least. Yeah. How do you think that's going to play out? Do you think the front row will stand up to the test again? To be honest, I I do. I I mean, I think that Gordy Reid can scrummage. If he can do one thing, he can scrummage. And so, you know, you'll probably give the edge to tag Furlong. But I basically think Gordy Reid should just be told to conserve his energy and just put everything into holding that scrum. I don't think he needs to be told (laughs) to not do things in the loose. But, you know, we've got Batty and Nell to come off the bench. That would have been a starting Scotland um, front row. Batty, Batty v Furlong worries me. Yeah, because... Gordy Reid goes down stuff. early and you've got Batty v Furlong. Yeah. You know, obviously Batty's come on leaps and bounds this year, but he is still relatively fresh. He was scrummaging against Curry last year. Yes, he was. And now he's, he could be scrummaging against British and Irish Lion starting prop. Um, I think that is that is a concern. Um and then Ring Rose is back. Ring Rose is back. Some people saying that he's better than Hugh Jones. Those people are mental. They're wrong. <laughs> They're so <laughs> Gary Ring Rose is a, is a fantastic player and prospect, but you've got to say that Jones probably edges that head to head. I think he does edge it head to head. Think they're quite similar players. I think they are. Yeah. 
They both, both like to run the outside arc. Yeah. Both probably stronger in defense than you would think just by looking at them. Yeah, agreed. And both probably aren't as good at passing as you would hope them to be. I, <laughs> I still think Hugh Jones is a great player, but he's actually not an amazing distributor of the ball. He doesn't do it very often. He doesn't do it very often. And actually, yeah. Ring Rose, I think, falls into a relatively similar category. Um, I, you know, I think it'd be a really interesting sort of matchup. I suppose get. one, the other matchup in the midfield, and I think lots of people have discounted Pete Horn for his physicality in the past, but this is a big mismatch. This is Pete Horn versus Bundyaki. That is quite significant. It is quite significant. I think, you know, I think Pete Horn gets mainly probably for me, <laughs> gets too hard a time for his defence. I think, on the whole, he's incredibly solid. And actually, I think he's a lot smarter than Bondiaki as a rugby player. Definitely. Um, and hopefully they'll sort of use that to his sort of use of advantage. But you're right, there is that fear that, like Sonny Bill, Bondiaki might not, you know, break through, but will be able to get his arms free for your ring roses and Rob. You've got to think a guy the size of Bundyaki. If he sees a channel of you know Pete Horn's inside shoulder, Finn Russell yeah. is the inside man. That's quite a nice little channel for him to be attacking all day. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see that one. Um, anything else? No, I mean I I think we, we've sort of chatted before. Is the Scotland team has not won away yeah, from the home. away factor. Outside of Italy for eight years. What do, what do you make of Gregor Townsend and Scotland's decision to do a captain's run in Edinburgh on the Friday? Are they, do, are they doing that again? They're doing it again and then travelling as opposed to... They did that against Wales as opposed to getting over there, getting into their hotel, getting to the Aviva, getting a sort of feel for the surroundings. I mean, I, d- I personally think you would probably prefer to go and do the run in the stadium. But there's obviously some either logistical or psychological reason that Townsend feels that it's a better way to do it. And in Tuni, we trust. We have to trust in Tuni. And I suppose what we have learned is that they sometimes warm up in the car park with like new combinations. So maybe they they want to keep those under wraps. Yeah, got to keep it under wraps. Got to keep that um, super secret. What, What do you think? Talking now predictions-wise, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? I think Ireland will win by six. And I think it will be sort of two tries all that sort of game. I I think Scotland will give them a good game. But I think think this tournament is one year too early for this Scotland side. Okay. I think, you know, Scotland started showing... Obviously showed a lot of signs last year. Um, they've now kind of got the hump off their back with England. They've taken down England and France at home. And I think next year is going to be the season where we properly um, compete for the Six Nations. And I'm sure we said that last year. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. St- baby steps. I just think Ireland will just have a bit too much. Them, but I, th- I don't think it'll be. I, don't, I think it'll be a very close game. I think it'll be a very close game. I actually think Scotland are going to win. <sighs> Punchy. I've I've changed. I've changed. You know, I just feel that I was concerned. I'm concerned against Ireland for similar reasons as I was concerned against England. I thought we would get overpowered up front and we would get battered and they would kick loads of penalties. But we managed to work that out. I think if we can bring that same level of performance to Ireland, I think that's the biggest task: is getting it away from home. 
I think we we beat them out wide. I think we've got a better backline than them, possibly half backs excluded. But I, I think we're going to win. Very tight, probably Scotland by six. I think the half backs are the difference. I think one of the reasons England lost at the um, last weekend was because I don't think they actually had a lot of particularly smart players. Mm, and I don't no. think they were able to change their game plan on the spin particularly easily. I don't think Rob Shaw and uh, Farrell can actually kind of manage situations in time. Whereas I think your Conor Murray's and your Johnny Sexton's and your Romani's are much better at kind of dealing with what's in front of them. Yeah. And that's my that's my concern is I actually think even if we were to get the upper hand, I think Ireland are a much better team at adapting to that. But look, look, well, of course the bloody what's got to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's um let's see what happens. Um as I said at the top, we've got um a really good interview now with um Johnny BT of the class of O ten, the last time Scotland won against Ireland at Croke Park. We chat to him about fifteen minutes. So Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Enjoy it, guys. And we are lucky enough to be joined again on the pod by one-third of Scotland's most famous back row, the Killer Bees, uh, Johnny Beatty. How are you doing, mate? Good. Thanks very much for having me. Not at all. How are things down in the south of France? Yeah, good. The sun's still shining. Um, we had a little bit of snow like you guys did. It lasted maybe two days, so we got a bit of sledging in. Um, but the sun, unfortunately, has been back out since then, uh, which has been tough. So just uh, struggling on and uh, getting on with life in the Pro Day Do with Bayonne, which is still good fun. If, uh, if the Scots can't handle a snowstorm, what are the French like when the snow comes in? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. But then... Almost a little bit more embarrassing. We've kind of become a little bit French. Like it's, we've been here six years now. And when it gets cold, you feel like a pathetic Scot, which is quite sad. <laughs> um, but we're still not as bad as, as the Frenchies. They're horrendous. Um, so we still feel quite hardy compared to the Frenchies. <laughs> Good stuff. And um, have you been keeping up with um, Scotland's progress through the Six Nations? Yeah, of course. Um, firstly, as a supporter, like everybody, and then obviously with half of my mates still playing in the team, it's been great just to, after a shaky start, to you know see they find a bit of confidence and they're really enjoying it. Um, obviously, the England game was amazing for everybody involved, be it a supporter or management, the coaching staff and the players. It was just an unreal game, so it was fantastic to watch and just great to see them do so well and kick on in the tournament. I know, obviously, you've played quite a lot with Barkley, what are your thoughts on um, his performance against England? I know a few people um, 
thought he maybe was a little bit off the pace against Wales and France and then to kind of bring out that performance at home against the old enemy was pretty something to see. Well, I know Johnny really well. Like He's one of my oldest friends in rugby. We started together when we were 17 in Glasgow. Um, so I can speak freely about his character and he can't get annoyed, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but I think the Welsh game, to go back, it was just one of those games where nothing was going right on the pitch. Yeah. And he was obviously trying so hard himself, as he always does. I mean, he gets the bit between his teeth, he goes hard, his work rate is phenomenal. And he would try and get involved in the game. And when things weren't going right in the Welsh game, in the team around him, that kind of compounded the errors. He made a couple of errors at the breakdown. But he was trying to compensate for line breaks that were made elsewhere, and he was trying to help the team. So it ended up not being his day. And, and the flip side of that is when you see the rest of the team flying and defending like a pack of animals like they did against the English. John is world-class at the breakdown, and he showed that. And I was so chuffed for him, so chuffed for everybody, because it wasn't just him. It was a massive team effort defensively across the board. You know, Stuart McAnally, Hamish Watson, all competing, all low-chop tackling, all slowing ball down. But then you had half the back line doing the exact same thing. So it was incredible to watch, and I was immensely proud of them all. It was great, great fun to watch. Yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible, and everyone uh, everyone's hoping that they can replicate and possibly go a little bit further with their performance against Ireland. What what's your take on the game on on Saturday? Do you think they've got a chance to to do what you guys did in 2010? I think they do. Um, de- definitely the best chance for the, for a few years. Um, it's just what white it's been blown wide open. The tournament. I watched the the Welsh Irish game. Um, on the couch and thought, geez, you know, that's one of the highest level games I've seen in a long time. I loved watching it. It was an amazing brand of rugby from both sides. Hugely talented individuals coached by world-class staff. It was a joy to watch. Then I watched the Scotland game and it was the same. It was unbelievable to watch. It was just the quality of rugby that was on show from Scotland was something that we, you know, we've been missing for a few years. They did it in the autumn. We were disappointed in Wales, the Wales game, and it was amazing to see them do it again. And, you know, if if these boys go across now to Ireland and replicate the same performance, there's absolutely no reason why they can't win and blow the tournament wide open, which is exciting for everybody, if you're Welsh, Irish, English, Scottish, possibly less so if you're Italian, but for everyone else, it makes the tournament fascinating. Um, So I really hope that um, we can get the first away win for a while and, uh, and go over there and win well. One of the takes on sort of the Scotland pack is... You know, they're sort of great in the loose, but they're maybe missing those sort of big ball carriers, you know, your CJ Standers, your sort of Billy Vinopolas, the pick In terms of how you sort of approach a game, if, if you don't have those big ball carriers, how do you sort of uh, nullify that? So like, taking Ireland, for example, you know, they've got CJ Stander, who is just a disruptive ball carrier. Yeah, um, he hasn't been that destructive in this tournament, I wouldn't say. Um, but I know what you mean. He carries 15 to 20 balls every game. He goes yeah. hard and he's hard to stop. You know what you're going to get. I, I think when you look at the way Glasgow have played for the past four or five years with Gregor and how Scotland are playing now, it's not about big bashing ball carriers. It's about the setup in your play, shifting point of contact, keeping defences guessing, and not just being a one-out runner, catching the ball and trying to run as hard as you can, because that isn't the way Gregor wants you to play, and that isn't the way the Scotland side now plays. So, yeah. you look across the board, you've got Johnny Gray, that's probably their, their biggest man, I would say, but everybody 
in that pack is capable of taking a ball, going forward, passing, chucking the ball out of the back door to a 10 and doing that off 9 and off 10. So you've got multi-option, multi-phase ball at every single point of contact the Scotland team have, which is what makes it hard to defend. It's then what opens up doors for Ali Price, Greek, for Finn Russell to throw these amazing balls that they do and, and blow defences wide open. So I completely agree there aren't the huge busting ball carriers that maybe everyone craved for once upon a time, but I think what they showed with England game is that you don't need to have big bludgeoning forwards in order to do that. You need to hold your own weight when it comes to scrum, line out, mauling, which Scotland did. They, there weren't any problems at scrum time. They weren't mauled off the pitch. But then what they did was they ran the English boys ragged, shifting point of yeah. contact outside nine, outside ten, and opening up huge channels for guys like Hugh Jones to run through the middle of. And that's what they did. And that's the template that Gregor set with Glasgow for a number of years. And it was incredibly exciting to watch. And that's now what Scotland fans have to savour for the next hopefully few years. Absolutely. I guess, I think, did you, you've obviously worked with Gregor Townsend kind of in the Scotland setup? Um, actually, he came as an apprentice coach maybe in 2010 yeah. um, under Andy Robinson, and he didn't actually get that much time with the boys. But okay. you could just tell by his enthusiasm, the way he talked about the game, the different avenues and different angles and attacks that he was then talking about that we hadn't really even looked at, to be honest, as a team. Yeah. Um, you could tell then that he was going to be an exciting coach. And the message from the Glasgow boys when they were there was that, yes, he was a hard, hard taskmaster he was hard to please but you know the product that you got at the end of the day and the way everybody was playing was so good that nobody cared so you know I think that we're lucky that we managed to keep Gregor in Scotland and that he stayed and didn't choose to go elsewhere and I think if you look at the performances that he he got out of the Scotland side in the autumn and the Six Nations so far it's an incredibly exciting time to be a fan and you have to compare what he's got and the raw produce that he has to work with compared to the other countries. You know, we've just beaten England and Scotland's effectively the size of Yorkshire. So we've just <laughs> beaten England with, you know, 5% of the rugby playing population. The same as France. Like, you come across and, and watch the French game, they have two fully professional leagues of teams. So Scotland with two professional sides and Gregor at the head of that, with the work that they do, whether it's strength conditioning, the condition people are in, looking after them physio-wise the coaching, the detail and everything that you get taught and everything you learn as you grow up in Scotland, that has just outdone two of the biggest rugby playing nations in the world. And I don't think people quite grasp that. It's an incredible thing that they've achieved so far in this tournament. So I've been incredibly proud watching them and I just hope that it continues for a long time. Absolutely. It's, it's quite an amazing sort of um, uptick in fortunes. Um, Take, it, take us back, if you will, a bit of nostalgia to, to 2010 when um, we went over to Croke Park, it was, and, and, and took that win against, um, against Ireland. Tell us what you remember about that day. Um, I remember quite clearly, not the actual physical act of scoring the try, I just remember being mobbed by people afterwards. I remember big <laughs> Jim Hamilton coming up and giving me a massive bear hug. Um, <laughs> And just seeing blue people, blue shirts and, and salt tires up in the stadium going absolutely bananas because, you know, it hadn't been a great tournament. We, we played some good rugby but hadn't really won the games yeah. that we should have. Um, and I don't think anybody really expected us to go to Croke Park and win, um, being honest, looking back. So, 
it was just the feeling of the being mobbed afterwards, then seeing and knowing the feeling that you'd given everyone up in the stands, how happy everybody was, seeing faces, seeing people in blue jumping up and down and everyone in green sat down, which was great. And then knowing that everybody back home in bars and pubs or sitting home on the couches would be having the exact same feeling. Because when you like just watching the Scotland-England game there, when you grow up with that, it's an amazing thing when the team in blue is going forward and doing well and achieving. And it was just really... A proud moment to know that I was part of a little part of that for a moment with, with the Scotland side, which was a, which is really cool looking back now with eight years, which is quite scary. Yeah, it's it's a long time. And um, you, you mentioned Jim Hamilton; he's been sort of in the press talking about the night out afterwards. Is there anything uh, you'd like to like to add for the the listeners of what was going uh, on? It was quiet. It was. Quiet. <laughs> no, it, just, it is what it is. I mean, you you have to. Like I'm a big believer in that you have to celebrate your wins um, and you have to I mean you don't get that many moments like that in your life it was at the pinnacle of our sport you're playing in the Six Nations representing your country um, and you have to go out and Jim <laughs> Big Jim was always a champion of that he would <laughs> take you under your arm and you'd go out and celebrate and we did and right, rightly so it was, a magic, it was a magic moment it was a great thing to be part of Are you um, happy that um, maybe camera phones and social media were a little bit less developed back in 2010. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll just, we'll just assume that you and the lads were ripping your tops off in the, in the nightclub, shall we? Yeah, why not? <laughs> well, so when, we, when we see the videos of Greek, like, you just don't want to see it. Even though it's amazing, you just, you just don't want that stuff getting out. That needs to stay behind closed doors and yeah. stay in camp or... Um, but, you know, it was amazing fun, amazing fun. And I was delighted to see Greg and the boys letting their hair down and having a good time after I caught, caught a cup win because that's the, for Johnny Barkley, it's the first time he's ever done it. For Greg, it's the first time they've ever done it. And with the size of the task, as we discussed before, you know, you're not sure if you're going to do it again. So it's important to savour those moments, enjoy it and go out and have a beer together. Definitely. Absolutely. And uh, you know, Finn Russell's obviously got his high-profile move out to Racing Metro. It'd be interesting from your perspective. How different is it being based out in France in, com- in comparison Hugely. to you know, the Glasgow Edinburgh kind of centralised setup? Hugely, hugely different. Just in terms of how you looked after, um, that's the one thing that when when you go, you realise that <clears throat> you're not looked after. You're a piece of meat. You're there. You're paid a salary. You're there to work. Um, for instance, if you take the two scenarios, so Finn at Glasgow, they have a, like a rest protocol, so you're not allowed to start more than four games in a row to look after you. There's nothing like that in France. That's strength and conditioning stuff. Finn is, <coughs> excuse me, as strong and as fast as he's ever going to be, which you'll say isn't that fast, but he is. <laughs> and he'll come out to France and you'll go into a weight session and boys will be sitting on the end of bench presses drinking coffees. Like, it, it's just not the... It's just not geared the same way to the individual and team performance and the team culture that is built up back home in Scotland is second to none. Um, and they've done it really, really well and built it really, really well over a number of years. Um, and all of that out here is 15 to 20 years behind. So the being looked after, the strength, the fitness, the organ, the organised rugby that we play in Britain, it's not like that out here because playbooks just get ripped up and you just play what you see. Um, so, yeah, Finn might like that, but then Gregor is very structured, very organised, and that, 
allows Finn to flourish. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure how that will go with racing. I mean, you look at Dan Carter, he's been at racing for two, two, three years, I think. Yeah. And I think most French people say he's been average. Exactly, but everybody knows he's not average, but the racing team doesn't play the way the Scotland team or the Glasgow team plays, for instance. So for Finn, it'll be an outstanding experience. I mean, he'll have to grow up in many different respects. You're moving away from your family, moving away from your friends. You're becoming independent all over again. And it'll force him to grow up. But it's not going to be. He's not going to be looked after the same way that he is back home. So my hope is that he flourishes, <coughs> that he enjoys the challenge, something completely different. But at the end of the day, he keeps coming back and playing the way he's playing for Scotland because when he plays the way he did against England, he's world class without yeah. a doubt. I think we're all all keeping our fingers crossed for that that he stays fit. Um, there's news breaking in the last couple of days that. Um, DTH van der Merwe's going back to Glasgow. Rui Jackson's recently gone back. Sean Lamont went back. Nico Matawalu went back. When are you making your return to uh, to Scotland, Johnny? Whenever they pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it no, here I, first. They come and get me. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to go back and play. I think the clubs moved on so much from when I was there. I left in 2012 when Sean Lamont was still there. <clears throat> and I think just the the brand of rugby they play, the fortress that they've made, Scotston. I mean, it's a really quite intimidating place to come and play now. It's packed out every week, Absolutely. which is amazing. It's amazing for Glasgow. It's great for the players. It's great for the city. Um, and obviously, I'm very proud growing up in the city and, and love playing for the city as well. So um, I'd love to go back and play another game for Glasgow and another game for Scotland. But that phone needs to ring. When it does, I'll be there. Definitely, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely great. And uh, final question: What's your prediction for um, Saturday? I actually, I think it'll be tight. Um, I'm hoping Scotland to sneak it by five to ten points. I would say. I nice. think it's be a very tight game. Two really well organised teams, and not really too much to pick between them. It was the same watching Ireland Wales. Really, either team could have won for me, um, and I think it's the same Ireland Scotland. It could go either way. But obviously, I'm hoping that it'll, it'll go Scotland's way and hoping by 10 points. 10 points. We'd love to see that. Um, well, Johnny, thanks again for joining us again on the pod. Um, and, Pleasure, uh, fellas. Hope it all goes well. You've got a big playoff game or a chance to hit the playoffs this weekend. Yep, so fingers crossed if we can win this weekend, hopefully we'll be climbing back up into the top 14 Good and stuff. back into the mixer. So fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, best of luck with that and we'll uh, speak to you soon. Cheers, fellas. So it sounds like Finn Russell is going to have a good time in France. Look, you might have your 700k and you might have your Lambo, but you're going to be beasted. You're going to get battered for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're every gonna, week. They're going to earn their pound of flesh. I mean, you've seen it, though. Greeks had to go back and play yeah. at Claremont in between the in the fallow weeks. Like He's having to earn it. After going out and getting absolutely steaming after the <laughs> Calcutta Cup game, he's had to go back to France. Oh, my God. That must have been such a, like a de- deflation. So <laughs> bad. I know. Just um, get hung over flight to Claremont. The next day, it's like, oh my yeah, god! Sure, the what is it? Four hundred bags that you reckon uh, Greeks on? Yeah, I think they said it was about four hundred bags. Fair enough. Um, and Dave Rennie, pick up the phone. I know, Dave Rennie, you are listening. We know you do. Get yeah. on, uh, get on the phone, Johnny Beatty. Bring him back. Bring the boy home. Love to see him back. Yeah, he could do like look at sort of what Kelly Brown did in the last year of his uh, career. Absolutely. Bring him back, sort of player coach role. Yeah. Why not? Um, right. Should we talk very quickly about? Premier Sports. Can I just give you this quiz question quickly? Okay, it's one 
one quiz for me alone. <laughs> Guess the player who's doing this paid content on social media. So it's like a paid advert. That paid, paid advert. Okay, go on. Massive thanks to All Sport Insure for the quick and easy renewal for my car insurance. <laughs> You're joking. Best in the business. Car emoji, thumbs up emoji. I know they all get cars. I didn't know that they had like deals for their car insurance yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, Scotland International? Scotland International. Um, Hoggy's, all, he, Hoggy's got loads, but that seems low brow for him. How about... Um, yeah, Hoggy only does Procter and Gamble these days. Yeah, exactly. He's big time. Um, I'm, I'll just tell you. Go on then. Xander Ferguson. No, Xander Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would just love to know like how much like all sport insurer paying for that. To get those six likes, two retweets, and one comment, they're just like, here you go. Here's Is that all they got? Six <laughs> likes? <laughs> Here's your free insurance, Xander. Oh, my God. <laughs> Their marketing director's taking that in and being like, <laughs> come on, lads. The reach wasn't what we were hoping <laughs> for. <laughs> An disaster. Uh, well, speaking of sort of underwhelming commercial deals, how about this one? Um, it broke on Twitter. I don't think there's been an official announcement from Pro 14 or Premier Sports, but it seems that BBC Alba have lost the rights to show the Pro 14 next year, and it is going to be shown on Premier Sports, which is an Irish-based pay-per-view provider. Does that mean that Sky have gone gone as well? Yes, yeah, Sky are gone. So, so Sky Premier have got exclusive rights. Yes, yeah, so Sky were only in the market for it combined UK and Ireland rights and an Irish specific broadcaster took the Irish rights so Sky then pulled out so so now there is an Irish specific broadcaster that has it in Ireland and then for Northern Ireland Wales England Scotland Premier Sports which is also an Irish channel but is they broadcast in the UK now will carry the rights in the UK and there hasn't been much release, but it, it seems like a bit of a blow. There's a lot of emotional emotion attached to BBC Alba, I think particularly amongst the Scottish fans, because they carried pro rugby when there was nothing. It was basically a very low fan base. Yeah. It's been on terrestrial TV, which you don't see an awful lot in sport. But, you know, could the Premier Sports deal be worthwhile? Like, what is the price worth paying? I mean, I guess the thing is, is... I think over the last four or five years, you've seen a real rise in engagement with the Scotland national team. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you've also seen a rise in engagement with the club sides. Yeah. I guess the issue is, has that been driven by the success of Scotland and Glasgow? Or has some part of that been driven by the fact that, you know, it's free to air, anyone can watch it on your laptop, on TV... And actually, that reach has helped sort of drive the the yeah. club game in Scotland. I think, I think one hand probably feeds the other. I think if yeah, Scottish teams are. But I guess if you well, pull if you pull away that hand, are yeah. we are we then stunting the growth of the game in Scotland? Possibly, because I think you're right. Look, they're going to get they're getting more money. There must in that's the, the only reason they would do it. They in the short term, more money. they're getting more money. So the clubs will benefit from a little bit of a financial share of that. Which yeah hopefully will help them retain players. I suppose this is the other side of it. If it helps Glasgow retain Johnny Gray, for instance, or Stuart yes. Hogg, for instance, yeah. is that worthwhile? Exactly. Is it, is it, are you willing to sacrifice that reach in order to keep two extra players? Because you're probably only getting like another 300, 400 grand per team. Yeah, exactly. So it's essentially like Alex Dunbar plus Lee Jones, which is... Uh, 
you know, it's, it is a really tough one to say because I do think that having that free to air content is a really big deal. Um, and it'll be, but I think the one thing is it's not being completed yet. So, like the Premiership, if Premier Sports could, for example, be like, right, we're going to give BBC Alba highlights, or we could give, yeah. we could wholesale games to BBC Alba. Well, I Alba. think one thing that I think is worthwhile and probably does get big um, coverage is the 1872 Cup games, which isn't on Alba. They put them on BBC yes. Two Scotland and yeah. things like that. You would hope that maybe they could get hold of those somehow because I think those games do attract much more interest because of the time of year people yes. are more focused on rugby. No, absolutely. And I guess... Even the though they're terrible, terrible spectacles that shouldn't Ooh, be on TV. yeah. Lots of people do watch them. All about the marketing. It is the shop window. Yeah. I guess the annoying thing with Premier Sports is you have to buy Sky or Virgin yes. to watch it. There isn't like a plug-and-play option, is there? No. So, like, I think for the general good, good of the game in Scotland, I think it's a bad deal. I but agree. I completely understand... With how much money the English teams, you see what's happening with Finn Russell in France, I can completely see why they feel they've got to take the cash. Yeah. Lots of comparisons have been drawn with the Scottish football deal with Satanta Sport about 15 years ago, which basically crippled the game. So let's hope that doesn't happen. I mean, let's hope it doesn't happen. I mean, Premier Sports are essentially just Satanta with a different name. Damn. <laughs> Damn rebranding. They took down football, now they're coming back coming for the rugby. Back for rugby. <laughs> it's fine, though, because they've got second division, second division Rugby League, Polish Speedway, and Belgian football. Who's buying this? <laughs> they got, like, real niche content for people. Um, but yeah. And now they've added Scottish rugby to it. I know, exactly. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Keep an eye on our Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, and we will be sure to tweet out the announcement when it comes from Premier Sport or Pro 14, and then we can have the online fight all over again. Can't bloody wait. Should we call it a day? That's been pretty good. Yeah, let's call it a day. Um, thanks a lot for Johnny Beatty joining us again on the pod. Um, get onto iTunes if you've been enjoying that. Five stars and a review. We'll read it out on the pod next week. Um, as I say, Thistle at Thistle Rugby Pod on Twitter and our burgeoning Instagram account. We're coming up on almost 700 followers. Thistle understroke rugby understroke pod. And um, let's hope we get a win against Ireland. See you next week, guys. Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Honey. Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Honey. Cheers.